The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Just in case this was unapproachable for our listeners, here's some chemistry. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not here. We're going to fix this confusing system with the most confusing thing in the Bible. (laughs) Trolley problem. Whether or not you pull the lever. The trick is multi-track drifting. Get them both. (laughs) No witnesses. Welcome to the Second Rate Saints podcast. My name is Joshua, and to my left... My name is Joel, and to my left... I am Colton, and to my left... It's back to me. Uh, Sadly, we are without Caleb and without Stuart today, uh, which is always sad. It's a consistent sadness that pervades our minds Mm -hmm. constantly. I'm in tears. But... I'm not. Just because you can't... Just because we're not all here doesn't mean you can't visit our internet. Our internet, you say? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do the media plug section then. <laughs> so uh, if you want to check out what the Second Rate Saints are doing on said internet, check us out at secondratesaints.com. Um, we've got uh, weekly episodes as well as some blog posts, book reviews, and anything else that we've decided to green light. Um, we've got some stuff in the future I'm pretty excited about. So keep an eye on Second Rate Saints. Um I feel like there's something else to do. Oh, if you'd like to contribute to the financial growth um, of uh, Second Rate Saints, uh, help us with whatever this ministry is becoming, um, then check us out at buymeacoffee slash Saints or buymeacoffee.com slash Saints, or you can check out the link on our website. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, even before we start the episode, please drop us a comment on YouTube or through email or on our Directly website. Directly this media plug has become so long, it's becoming irritating. It's beautiful, though. You know? It's yeah. so exciting that there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but now let's get into the episode. Mm-hmm. And how do we start our episodes? Right from day one. You go back to our first episode. This is how we start it, dude. This is, this is where we're at. And it starts with a very simple question that I ask my friends daily. Um, and I've made this intro much longer, uh, even than I wanted it to be. Um, Colton, <laughs> what have you read? <laughs> <sighs> um... <laughs> So, uh, the book I have read, uh, first time in a while. Come on, don't take all day here. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm kidding, Colton. I'm sorry. We're going to talk about your moral foundations in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Haidt's The Righteous Mind. Okay. Um, very good book, for the most part, at least. Hmm. Um, this is a book about morality and specifically moral evolution and moral psychology. Okay. Um, so very, it's, it's pretty heady, but he brings it down and the, uh, the subsection is, oh shoot, give me a second. Uh, why good people are divided by politics and religion. Mm. Um, basically it's a book on what are the, on that we tend to see things as a left, right and whatever political Mm -hmm. or religious differences where he's like, okay, but these are why people disagree. Um, and the reason he believes is because of these things called moral foundations. Uh, the moral foundations theory isn't only his, but he is kind of like the champion of it. Yep. And, uh, I think he originated it too. And he points out six moral foundations. I kind of want to see what you guys think about these. Sure. Um, 
these moral foundations are what we build um, our morals on, but also each person has different emphases for each of these segments. It's not like someone has one and doesn't have the others. Everybody mm-hmm. has these. These are different levels yeah. of how much they care about them kind of thing. Okay. Um, he says they're because of uh, evolution reasons that there are, and he points to what they would be in a like primitive yeah. or uh, tribal kind of mm-hmm. lifestyle mm-hmm. and where it came from. But, you know, I'm not fully on board with all of that all the time, uh, especially with how he puts it. But his first one is Care Harm Foundation. Care. Um, care that we care about, well, care. And that we don't tolerate harm. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. He says that this is probably the main one that especially the West is built on. Um, most people are, but the West especially. Um, emphasizing care and minimizing harm. Uh, that's treating people well, being kind, uh, making sure that everyone's voice is heard, st- stuff like that. And so that is both- this kind of summarized as the pursuit of human flourishing? Is that... Or is that going to be something yeah. else? Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the, the culture that defines what care and harm actually are. But generally speaking, it's pain. It's usually mm. 99% of the time it's pain. Um, minimizing pain, maximizing pleasure, mm. uh, or, or at least because the other- Happiness. Yeah. Or at least the, the moral, other moral foundations bleed into it. Anyway, uh, the second one is fairness and cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairness being that which is well fair justice stuff like that and then cheating is something that should be completely out, gotten rid of and yeah. he says that both the right and the left emphasize both of these points and that the left emphasizes both of these more than the right does mm. um which i find interesting i think that he's right in that these are the two that we focus on is justice and care like fairness and, and care as the mm-hmm. main Morals, and he, he includes four others, which I'm just going to blast through quick. Liberty, oppression, loyalty, betrayal, authority and subversion, sanctity and degradation. Um, and that these four are emphasized by the right and are not emphasized by the left. So while the left emphasizes, like I, politically, the left emphasizes care and fairness uh, more than the right does, the yeah. right has a more balanced view on all six of these. Mm. And... That's why the left tends to be more single-minded and single-focused in their political aspect yeah. mm-hmm. views, whereas the right tends to bring in a lot of different desperate peoples together. I don't know if this is applicable through all of time um, in how he puts it, because mm-hmm. I have to do a lot more research. But he essentially says that these are the six things that all morals are built on. These are the foundations from which you build them on. Hmm. What do you think? Um, that one sanctity and degradation. Yep. Is that, that's his personal edition. That's his personal one. Yep. Um, okay. Does that have to do with, actually, I think it's liberty oppression. Sorry. Okay. Well, the sanctity part, Mm. does that have to do with a more religious view, like viewpoint? Because I feel like sanctity versus degradation. Are we talking about what is sacred? I know sanctity and sacred is not quite the same, but yeah, he says, Yes, that's where it originated from. But now mm-hmm. that we live in a sort of post-religious culture, in, as he like, as mm-hmm. West people put it, mm-hmm. um, that goes to a lot of other things, and usually politics. Okay. Yeah. Um, is this actually anthropological or is it ideological? No, it it, it is. He's a, he's an actual psychologist, and he's a researcher. Um, I guess what I'm asking is this more about like sociology and anthropology, like the origin of of how humans live together. Or is it ideological 
where he's trying to make a case for what is the best. Oh, no, no, no. He is not putting forward oh, okay. what's the best. No. Yeah. He, he's very middle ground in his book. This is a description very of middle what ground. is. Mm. He, yeah. he says both are good for different reasons, um, but that uh, the left emphasizes others and the right emphasizes others. And that's what creates a cohesive society yeah. is when you have both. Well, mm. I think with the, um, the sanctity thing in a secular sense where mm-hmm. you don't have an overt religion, you'll hear people hold up ideas like, you know, like we need to make sure democracy is working. Yes. Like that's sacred to the yeah. right. Or people have the right to vote. That's sacred. And so like. The, well, even one that all people generally agree with is that children should be protected. Yeah. yeah. Um, stuff like that, that we should like, that's not even like a care harm thing. It's just that mm-hmm. the, uh, well, the sanctity of child, childlike innocence should be protected and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Human life. And that human is, life. Yeah. 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 That, and that, Yeah. Um, but he goes more towards social things. Like he, he doesn't emphasize the, the things that can be explained on the others more like, um, why do we have these kinds of roles for people in society, like uh, class rules or whatever. And it's like he used it because he did his studies in, I want to say Brazil, okay. um, in Michigan, I think, or Boston, it's Boston, Michigan. I don't know. Um, I'm not, in, I don't live in the States. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, small east eastern Arisen part of India. Okay. And so very different cultures with very different things, but he built it off of like multiple different things and his students under him because he's a professor. Boston is in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Thank you. Yeah. It's on the East Coast, south of New York and New Jersey. Well, we we don't cover secular, (laughs) you know, moral works very often. Mm -hmm. That's Um, good. What drew you to this book? This is a book that's been recommended to me uh, a lot, especially by people online. Okay. Um, mostly because the people I, like most people probably haven't read this book. Although I think a good amount of people have heard of Jonathan Haidt. Um, yeah, I've heard his name. If, yeah. if but you know Jordan Peterson, you know Jonathan Probably. Haidt. Or at least you've heard of him. Yeah, they, both some had a, they both had a university argument outside of the campus Yeah, in right, the same right. way. And while I disagree with many of the things Haidt says, especially a lot of the prescriptive elements of his, of his book, mm-hmm. um, the fact that this was, I, wa- I really wanted to read this and I've had wanted to read it for a very long time simply because so many arguments I see online or with mm-hmm. people, even in like whatever, I was like, oh man, if I understood this book, I'd probably be able to argue with these people better or uh, I would be able to understand what they're saying better. Yeah. Whether it's a, debate or whether or not it's just people saying what they believe Mm. um and people especially more like center people not really people who are super conservative or super liberal Mm -hmm. yeah um politically um tend to bring up this book quite a bit and it's really good it is really good to me it feels a little bit like it kicks in the door on uh the moral question or the pursuit for Mm -hmm. meaning and Mm -hmm. josh that's been kind of a pet project of yours for the last little while but uh, yeah can you give a brief description of what the the search for meaning or the the meaning oh, problem is? Yeah, it's just the the with the atheism having its grip on society in the secular worldview in the West, uh, mm-hmm. people being taught that they are meaningless, purposeless bags of chemicals mm-hmm. that you just exist and then you will cease to exist, and whatever happens in between those won't matter. Um, and 
because there is no design in life. There is no purpose. There's no calling. There is no, none mm-hmm. of these things. And so people have been like filled with so much, uh, nihilism, but like in the sad sense, not in the, yeah. like, I just do what I want. <clears throat> um, and they, they're, they're crying out for purpose and for meaning and transcendence because they can feel it. Mm-hmm. They, they know it's there. They yeah. know they're called for more. They know they have purpose and they have these desires and all these things, but they're being told by the world that you don't have it. Yeah. And so what's happening is because of this meaning crisis where everybody's walking around going nothing, mm-hmm. they're finding people like Jordan Peterson, Jonathan Haidt, all these other people that are near Christian, mm-hmm. near religious or, and that's why you're also seeing like crystals get big and Wicca mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. big and uh, DMT drug experiences get yeah. big again of like, because everybody's returning back to super symbolic, transcendent, mm-hmm. weirdly pagan. spiritual. Yeah. But not, and religious. that's also why Eastern Orthodox is on the rise Yeah, is because it's, it's the full transcendent experience. Right. Mm-hmm. But even high churches are growing because yeah. our, our culture emphasizes a lack of reverence and a lack yeah. of spirituality that people are wanting that. And so they yeah. go to the higher church. Yeah. Very, direct conversion to Eastern Orthodox is multiplied by like five times in America. Do people, did people convert to Eastern Orthodox before that? Yeah. Not in America. <laughs> it's such a small movement yeah. in the States, right? Yeah. Like it's that's never really crossed the sea. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Um, one thing before we move on, I thought about this the other day in the conversation mm-hmm. about the meaning crisis stuff, which I'm sorry if I've derailed this no, book too much, No, but I feel like it relates well enough. There's something so I guess cathartic about the realization that the creation of meaning is not necessarily on you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like I love existentialism. It's awesome. Right. That, yeah. that meaning must be created for the individual. Sure. Wonderful. And that like, there's a huge amount of purpose found in that, but also coming to Christ, you realize that truth and meaning and you know, the sacred is not within yourself. It's something that, you know, you can truly have a relationship with that has yeah. wants to have a relationship with you. Yeah. Right. That it is right. Christ crucified and you know, yeah. you're a sinner in need of a savior. The, it's awesome. We, so good. We, in the Christian worldview, we do not create meaning. Meaning is we are created for meaning. We are created with a, we are created with purpose, mm-hmm. with design on with yeah. there's with meaning careful behind. intent. Yeah. And yeah. so the, the, these things you can even, like, cause he's Jonathan Haidt is interestingly close to religious, mm-hmm. but he's not right. It's, I think it's, any kind of moral, yeah, uh, like diving into morals is going to bring you to that. To some yeah. Degree. But the fact that he added the sacred, right. Like Sanctity he mentioned and degradation. Yeah. Yeah. In that is like, he recognizes that there is, he's making the same claim that the meaning crisis people are, is that there is this transcendence that we've skipped out on. That we we threw the baby out with the bathwater when we said that atheism was true. Yeah. Um, and there there is one more thing before mm-hmm. uh, wrap this up because he does go into why then don't people just change their beliefs and whatever and mm-hmm. change their moral. He says that the foundations are principally within people. There are three main aspects he does emphasize in the book in three different chapters. Um, I'm not going to get into it. We could have an entire podcast episode on just this book. We're yeah. not going to probably, but yeah. We need more episodes. Uh, well, like everyone, this. everyone would have to read it, but uh, yeah. everyone here at least. But um, the last thing he kind of gets into is that uh, 
morality binds and blinds that people yes. who adhere to a moral system yes you're they bind you to those morals so they not just you but other people and then it blinds your group to the failings of your own group so it keeps you in and keeps people well it, they're both ways of keeping the tribe together um yeah binding them to the tribe and then blinding them to the issues of the tribe Mm -hmm. So that's why people on the right don't criticize people on the right is basically what he says. And people on the left don't see the ailings of the left, uh, but they emphasize the other problems of the other camp mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. more than fix their, themselves. Anyway, do we want to just keep talking about this? <laughs> I absolutely would love to keep talking about this, but that's awesome. Are we wanting to? There's the creation of the repulsive other. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard that? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of what you were no? mentioning. Okay. Here. No, we're, we're talking about this, right? Are you transitioning? I think we are. All right. We okay with that? Yeah. We're oh, talking about purpose, I can meaning, and the sacred this. and whatever. I could talk about this. Purpose, meaning, and the sacred. Yeah, let's, let's okay, talk let's about go. it. Feels Continue. a little bit more natural. We had a- the repulsive other, go. Repulsive other. So I actually heard a sermon on it during, um, I'm not sure if you watched the news, but there was that pandemic for a little while. <laughs> what? Yeah. I almost completely I missed lost my oh, job monkey to that pox. pandemic. I forgot about monkeypox. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't monkeypox. Gold. I love that you brought that up. Um, I Disease heard a X? sermon from a, a Mennonite preacher here in the, in the area. And he had this, this point of creating the repulsive other. Mm -hmm. And um, it was specifically to do with, you know, the all the controversy during COVID mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and I just thought that was super interesting because it was, it was this moment that I hadn't really heard people preach on that was like, no, we, we are blinded by our beliefs a little bit, have a little bit of grace, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like, and it was just kind of this opening of the doors. Mm. Um, yeah. So I like when you say the bind and blind. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it's true. And uh, when he talks about it, he goes into like, because he's a moral psychologist, he's going to, he looks He's very empiricist, but he also is like, how do I, how can I prove that this is something that is objective and not just me reading it onto things? Mm -hmm. And then he goes immediately and every single time, whenever he emphasizes anything to the tribal life, mm -hmm. something that where humanity would have started, uh, like as a tribal and simple culture and yeah. why they would have developed those evolutionarily. Mm. Um, which I don't, here's the thing. I think I agree with how he puts it because it seems to be true. Mm -hmm. I, when it, when you get into especially moral development and how that uh, evolved, mm -hmm. I get, I get a little bit worried because it's, have we evolved morals? Mm -hmm. he, he says that morals are what we call these evolutions mm. um, rather than like to accommodate morals. We evolved to have the, to build these systems. Um, so okay, morals me... are a way of keeping a tribe together. Okay. So they're closer to a byproduct than an organizing system or, um, it's kind of both. Um, like okay. a lot of evolution is that if you eat seeds, you're going to develop things to eat seeds better. Um, cool. And so if, if you live in a tribe, you can develop tribal systems to mm -hmm. build, to make your tribe better and so stronger you're saying than the other tribes. Governmental structures are lactose intolerance. Well, well, the idea <laughs> would be, sorry, what? <laughs> well, no, the, the idea would be is that there were, uh, um, homo sapien ancestors that didn't operate in large groups mm -hmm, and there were homo sapien ancestors that did operate in large groups. Mm -hmm. The reason they operated in large groups was because they had an underlying system socially that yeah. allowed them to stick together. The other group didn't have that system yep. that allowed them to stick together. And the ones that were yeah. most successful had the best systems. Yeah. 
and the bigger group survived yeah. because they could defeat the smaller group. And so they had the better system. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I was listening to yeah. a lecture. I love that I can pull this in because I don't know if I've <laughs> talked about this before, um, but I was listening to a lecture on uh, ancient city building. Yeah. Um, maybe I have talked. As I'm saying in the podcast, I feel like I might have. But the the big thing that I learned from it is, and this was a, a secular um, mm-hmm. professor, um, he said that the organization of early you'll say tribal or even like early city state stuff was actually organized around religion and cult yeah. right around really? worship um, rather than around food production that, that religion predates agriculture. Mm. And I was like, what in the, like, what would that mean? And then his reason for it was when you believe you are protecting something, you are better at protecting something. <laughs> so it was this joint belief yeah. in the fact mm-hmm. that they are defending something sacred that actually made them able to rise above this other group that hadn't developed the moral foundation to move their society forward. Mm-hmm. I think that height would a hundred percent agree with it's that. It's so cool. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you can see it in those designs of those cities and you see it in the text sure. it's in, yeah. it's in Babel, <laughs> like the yeah. tower of Babel. Yeah. Like, that's the, 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 the tower was in amongst the city, mm-hmm. but also Jerusalem. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the temple is in the midst of the city the or in the tabernacle. You have all of the camps equally sparsed out around the tabernacle. Mm. Right. I, I don't right. see the connection there, but. Well, the, it's designed around the religion. The city's designed around the religion. Oh, not. you mean that the That's central the center point is most important. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That the, the, and from the Christian angle, the, the polemic put on this, mm-hmm. so to speak, is, is that it's not to protect God, but it's so that God is in the midst of his people. Yep. Yeah. It yeah. is the desire of humanity to have God walk among them. Yes. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Okay. And well, from that place mm-hmm. and Israel being the stewards of God's grace outward, mm-hmm. you, you experience God as you get closer to the temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not... We need to continuously put walls around this thing to keep people away from it. Yeah. It's, it's to draw people in. Right. But then there's also the human mm-hmm. kind of desire not to be yeah. in God's presence due to our own, like, mm-hmm. what is it? Our realization that we do not fall even in our fall in line, even to our own morals. Like yes. I think about the yeah. Israelites not wanting to approach Sinai themselves and saying, Moses, get up there. Cause we can't be the ones to talk to God. Mm-hmm. It's like hmm. interesting. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. What does that say about people? Um, well, that we have cognitive dissonance. Hmm. Well, that gets into a different question and one that hype brings up. Where is our morals a intuition based thing or a rational based thing? Are they the id or are they the ego? That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, he brings up so many philosophers, so, so many philosophers in the first section of his book. Um, talking about whether or not we are moral to suppress our more animalistic instincts or to accommodate them or whatever, or is it, is it something based within us that then, uh, we build systems around, um, or, well, he, he goes into a secret third way, but yeah, (laughs) the secret third. Yeah, exactly. Can I give an analogy to something else? Okay. So we have two types of observation in our brain. First and second order observation? Maybe. I don't know what it's called. But the idea is, is that um, there, is an, there is an endless, the computational, the 
the computational explosiveness of trying to absorb all information via your eyes would be too much, right? And so your brain, whatever you're looking at is what it's focused on. And what you're looking at, everything else is in reference to that thing, mm. right? Mm. So you, you, you don't construct reality, but you construct the pattern from what you're looking at. So when I'm looking at that room, like my kitchen, right? I can see the handle is attached to the cupboard. The cupboard is attached to the wall. The wall is above mm -hmm. the cupboard is above the microwave. Right. But I know where everything else is in my room, but I'm not focused on it. Yeah. Right. So the focus is the one type of observation and the awareness of everything else is the second type of observation. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not thinking about everything else in the forefront of my mind. I'm yeah. only thinking about what I'm thinking about, but I know it's there. Yeah. And so I'm talking to Joel right now. Oh. Colton's right to my right. I'm thinking of a different thing. Okay. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm only talking to Joel. Yep. I'm thinking about Joel. I'm looking at Joel. Colton's there. I'm not thinking about him. Mm. And so your brain is doing the everything and the one thing at the same time. Yeah. Right. Because it can't do everything <clears throat> at once yeah. because it would be too much. Yeah. Right. So you are now breathing manually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And so the brain has to substitute. It has to construct what it's looking at because it's too complex. The world is too complex. Um, and so kind of like with morality, mm -hmm. you have, yes, I I'm focused on my ideas, what I believe to be true. Right. I believe that murdering someone is wrong. I believe that, you know, uh, sexual crimes are awful and defining what those sexual crimes are. But mm -hmm. when I try to take it all in at the same time, I, I can only focus on one of these. Yeah. Right. I can't focus on them all. Mm -hmm. So there's that moral system that's behind my eyes. That's in the brain and the subconscious that the id mm. or the. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And the ego is dealing with the definition. The, the what I'm focused on in the moment yeah, the, the, and the, the conscious. Yeah, yeah. And the, it is the, the, the unconscious is dealing with my total moral system that I cannot comprehend all at the same time. Okay. Mm. And would you say that if we're going to talk about bind and blind, that the focus on specific objects blinds the periphery? Yes. Right? And that's how you can, and that's one of the things we kind of hold in tension as Christians is mm -hmm. the law of God is written on the heart of man, mm. yeah. but also you're uh, you're a you're sinner, a sinner. Yeah. yeah right like you're because you're breaking like, it every day yeah like yeah if you were to hold yourself to your own moral law you would be still breaking it every day <laughs> right? yeah you would just become less and less aware yeah okay. and and that's also why we can we can say i hold this to be true but if we were to assess all of the other ideas we hold to be true at the same time we would see that oh this and this don't work together but because mm -hmm. I say, you know, I believe this to be true, and then a day later, I hold this other thing to be true, Yeah, right? There's cognitive dissonance between them, but because one is always in the subconscious and one is in the focus, okay. you, you're blind to the fact that this, the, like he's mentioning, like Hyde is mentioning, that you don't see the problem of the two ideas you're holding because you can't focus on both of them at the same time. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because he he gets into like Hume and what Hume says in Pascal and, and mm. different different philosophers, but 
he kind of goes with it is inherently intuist like intuitive um morality is intuitive but it's also rational mm. so it mm-hmm. starts it, it's he goes like two sides of the same coin it's both kind of yeah. so but it starts with the intuition and then filters through the uh because you can make conscious he goes through so many psychological studies and moral mm-hmm. studies and stuff like that on how like even children who aren't conscious yet will make moral decisions and so mm. there before it must be intuitive then he goes the other way where uh that we can just because our subconscious tells us that something is good that we we as christians would call like our fleshly desires that our mind or or the spirit or whatever with, with how he describes it would then correct us and change us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can make moral decisions consciously that everything in our body screams are wrong. He acknowledges that. Yeah. Um, which I think I agree with. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, that would, that would make sense why we sin. Yeah. Because but what about the other? Can you do, like, the do good? Because I'm sure if Caleb were here, I don't want to miss, I don't want to straw man his position. Yeah. Uh, because we've talked about this a good bit. Um, He's going to be so disappointed he missed this episode. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Caleb. But uh, I think he goes more in the, uh, the subcon, like the conscious is the outpouring of the subconscious. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Which I don't think I fully agree with. Like the idea of like, I, I act this way consciously because subconsciously that's what I believe. Yeah. Or like you've already made the decision subconsciously. Your subconscious is the processing and the, the conscious that putting into action. Well, it, well, here's a, here's a biblical presentation of that idea, mm. right? Is you say you believe you have faith, but you have no works, mm. right? But you, you need works. So if you have faith and you have works, like your works, your actions are show you what you believe. And so yep. the, the, your, the fruit presents if the tree is good. Mm. Right. And so there's, I definitely think there's a strong presentation in the Bible of the way I act is what I believe. And that there's a disconnect between what I behave, how I behave and what I say, I believe. Mm. But I also think that I can assess what it is. I believe. Right. So you definitely think the, Intuition can be filtered to the rational is and changed based on the rational. Yes, but it were, but ultimately I will know if I actually rationally believe that, or if I'm just okay. Faking it. Right. Right. Do I act? Am I, what is the term? Um, Are you overthinking something or not? Yeah. Am I taking my own supply? Like, mm. <laughs> right? Am I, am, am I believing own my own lie? Yeah. Am I believing my own lie? Yeah. I would never murder someone. Of course I would never do that. That's <laughs> what all murderers say. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, but then it's just like, and then somebody puts a, you know, somebody kills whatever future kid I have. Mm-hmm. I'll probably murder that guy. Like, <laughs> oh, this will wow. be played in court. I was going to yeah. say, this might not be the best thing to say on the podcast. <laughs> like, um. But like, like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there could be a situation that you have not rationally come up with that exists in your intuition. Yeah. That right. And yeah. you can't fully know exact if like the, everyone talks about the train, uh, trolley problem, mm-hmm. whether or not you pull the lever, if the yeah. train, I would is never going. do that. 
Well, the, the thing Would is you? that everyone everyone says they will or they won't. Or yeah. some people go, I don't know. The trick is multi-track but- drifting. Get a both. <laughs> no witnesses. <laughs> Are you morally culpable if no one sees you do it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you win. Um, if a man you know. kills people in the woods and no one there to hear it. You know? well, well, here's the thing. The- that goes back to the idea of if morals is but- what keeps the society together. If there's no society because you killed everybody. <sighs> There's no need for well, morals. Mm. Well, anyway, I think we just made Josh the supervillain. Yeah. I think is what we did with with the trolley problem, though. Um, if like everyone says they're going to do one thing or the other, but in, if you were thrown it in reality, mm-hmm. the actual problem, would you actually do it? It's yeah. it's mm-hmm. less so, and like some of it's chalked up to nerves and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but. There are many people who will intuitively choose one thing or the other. And so yep. you don't actually know yourself that well if you do. Yeah. And everyone talks about whether they want to know themselves, they want to learn themselves. I don't think anyone truly knows mm-hmm. himself. Well, I think I think we've all actually said that in different ways, is is that I can only I can only understand so much of my subconscious at one time. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm acting out in a moral sense, right? I'm I'm making an action consciously with very small amount of information of what I would actually do because I can't assess all of my moral systems at at once. Yep. I can't bring it all to the table in this moral decision. Yep. And so sometimes you will act in a way that you're like I I didn't want to do that. Yep. But it was because all that entire moral system in your head, in your brain, in your biology was acting out what it was doing. Well, that's that's one yeah. of the reasons why we as Christians emphasize repetition of like Bibles, well, Bible study, yeah. but also yeah. understanding and and living out your mm-hmm. Christian practices. Because when it comes down to it, whether or not you have a crisis moment or something like that, you'll go with what your gut tells you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like it could be something more positive, like you're given an evangelistic uh, opportunity to talk mm-hmm. to someone. Um, you're going to act based off of what you've been trained to do. Yeah. Uh, think like an EMT being trained that in, is, in aiding people. Colton, that is a great way of articulating that. The But the other... The, the purpose of discipline yeah. is because you cannot trust your subconscious moral system, mm-hmm. constantly bring these things up, not with your rationality, but with God's perfect moral word. Mm. Yeah. Well, you got right. to ingrain it in yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. That, so that because you can't assess it all at the same time, yeah. And it is and that our moral system in ourselves is the flesh. It's sinful, it's evil. Yep. Right. You have your the purpose of Christian discipline is to constantly confront your moral system mm. with the perfect moral system of God's word. So so you you are forcing yourself to instead of in moments try to make the right decision, not understanding yourself, you're allowing the word to transform yourself so that when you're in that moment, you don't have to trust you. You can trust what? the word. Okay. So I will say I'm going to try and translate. Yeah, yeah, for a minute. Please, please, okay, please. Let's pull this back in a little bit. Yeah. This is the, again, a thing that Christians have to hold in tension mm-hmm. is that I do what I do not want to do. Yes. Right. Yes. That a life by the spirit is one that is a constant tug of war between you know, those who, yep. that who, the man who was dead in sin yep. and the man who was walking with Christ. Yes. Right. And the difference between those is like you were saying, those who hold their decisions against the moral yardstick 
that yeah. is both scripture, the yes. word, and a relationship with Christ. Yep. Yeah. Um, and by and by constantly living that discipline life word, of reading word. scripture, praying, yeah. um, doing, practicing. We'll say spiritual discipline because that yeah, ties spiritual into disciplines. Yes. But like the idea of like like it's reading the word and praying, but it's also actively partaking in communion, actively going to church mm. and dealing with the community, actively partaking in charity, giving generosity, generosity, uh, helping people, hospitality, all these things, correcting yourself. If you're being selfish, is your, like that. you're consciously training your subconscious so that in future moments, when your subconscious acts, mm. it acts properly. It also makes it easier. Like if yeah. you struggle with something, the more repetition you do, it's, it's like working out. Yeah. If you work out a muscle, eventually it'll become stronger. And yeah. then you have to rely less on every time it hurting as much to train it. Yeah. Like I'm sure most people at, who are listening, maybe, maybe we have a lot of uh, gym bros in the, in nice. the thing. They, oh, they, can't can a, they can't, they uh, can't, whatever. Uh, they can't, they can beat me up. They can't think the about this, but um, <laughs> you go to the gym and it hurts and you're yeah. sore and it sucks because you haven't been to the gym in months or years or whatever it is. And so you don't want to do it again. But if like, then you go to the gym, bro, he's like, yeah, it hurts, but it's nowhere near as bad as it used to kind of mm-hmm. thing. And it's the same thing with morality. If you, or if you do it and repeat it and you, you train yourself in good things like self-control that the, the fruit of the spirit really, yeah. or it's going to become easier. The idea of muscle memory, exactly. Right? When a basketball player in the beginning, they have to really focus on where their hands positioned, what their mm-hmm. fingers are doing, the amount of force they give blah, 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 all the metrics on to get that ball in that hoop. Mm-hmm. But when you're Steph Curry, right, <laughs> you're not thinking about it anymore yeah. because you've actively consciously trained so hard mm. that now that your subconscious system is able to do it without you actively doing it. Yeah. Yep. In the same way with morals and the Christian life, you're forcing yourself, you're actively yeah. thinking about the moral decisions you're making so that in the future, the law written on your heart transforms your flesh into the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Yep. My, um, when I was uh, first doing some mentoring when I'm my first year of college, yeah, this was, uh, that idea was boiled down into what's called the embodied virtue. Oh, love it. And then it begins with attempted virtue, which I always yes. thought was like a hilarious yeah. way to put that yeah. attempted virtue. It's like, you're clearly not doing it, but you're on your way. Yeah. Um, Let's make another segment here. I want to tie it back in. So we're staying, yep. we stay focused Yeah, because that's the, the nature of these conversations is sometimes they're tangential. We've talked about all these things. We've talked about spiritual disciplines, I suppose. And we've talked about like yep. the community. Why is it so important then to be part of the church? And, and I, here's the mm-hmm. example I'm going to give because we call each other to a higher standard. Yes. Um, and like, Colton was saying with the moral uh, development thing, it happens within communities, even within tribal communities. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> sure. Right. In its origin. So then how do we continue that? We do that by unifying as a church. An example of this. Um, Josh called me out on some of my, uh, <laughs> we'll say less desirable actions the other day. I won't go into it. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, he pushed me towards a higher standard. Right. Toward a higher moral standard, we say, um, by being consistent with both his own, I guess, moral foundation and my own. Right. Um, yeah. Let's tie that back in here. Why does it matter as a church that we gather together and we discuss morals? Um, for the same reason that self-reporting 
uh, surveys are not accurate. Nice. <laughs> um, when, when you do a personality test, it's not as accurate as if you and somebody you know does the test with you. Mm-hmm. Because they can tell you, no, you're not actually like this. You just, you want to be like this. So you think about it all the time. But you're actually like this. Or, um, yeah, so they see you from the outside. They have the, they have the abstracted view that's not uh, that's not messed up by your biases of yourself. Mm. And so we like we what we're describing is, mm. is that you need to take an abstracted view of yourself and go, I'm not behaving morally here. I need to change this. Yep. Right. And but that same mind is the thing that you're trying to change. And if we're going to tie it into yeah. evolution, yeah. which I'm not saying it is, but yeah. just going back to height. Um, yeah. Yeah. If we're going to tie it to evolution, the, the thing that causes evolution to occur is outside impetus, outside mm. force. Response the only reason you can yeah. change and get better, well, there, there'll be minor things like you have your own processing power in your own brain. Mm-hmm. But the, the reason you'll change and evolve and become a better person, a lot of the time comes down to external forces, whether it's your environment and especially the good people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it can both build you up and change you, yeah. not just change you. Yeah. And so when they can point out the flaws that you are blind to, because yes, the group has a moral system that binds and blinds them. Right. Yeah. Yep. But also the individual has a moral system that binds and blinds them. Yeah. And they won't be able to point out the flaws in their own system, but the person next to them who doesn't have the exact same copy of morals as they do mm-hmm. will be able to show them where the flaw is. Right. Yeah. And so as Christians, this is super important because as the body of Christ, who the Holy Spirit is working in each of us is able to speak through the individuals to correct every part mm-hmm. of his body. Yeah. The cells are able to heal each other. In my mind, this is the proper understanding of study and see yourself approved under God. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Where it's like if you become more um embedded in the in the Christian worldview, essentially, um, you will eventually mm-hmm. you know. Well, you won't oh man, I don't want to bring up sanctification. Well, because, no, 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 this definitely is. Well, it's sanctification, the heresy of perfect sanctification. Yes. I don't know if it's actually mm-hmm. considered a heresy, I but I don't it see it as being um, it's, valid. It's not traditionally I defined as valid. heresy. A surprising number of charismatics yeah. will believe it because they believe yeah. in such a, like a... Many Methodists do too. Yeah, I know that... Uh, I'm thinking of apostolic. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, churches, but there's... So what I meant before was like, it's not traditionally held that... It's not classified as a heresy. Mm-hmm. It is classified as wrong (laughs) but those are two different things i think that morality is at least partially obscured by original sin oh yes right so i think since we're not going to be fully rid of original sin on earth we can't also be perfectly moral yep yes we it goes back to the line we are not sinners because we sin we sin because we are sinners Okay. Right. And so the idea is that I, I am not classified as a sinner because I do bad things. 
I do bad things because I have a sinful nature. Right. And so that has to be, that's what the sanctification is doing is justification is forgived us for that so mm-hmm. that we can have the Holy spirit and the relationship with God yeah. here and now. And the sanctification is God via the Holy spirit and you being like Christ mm-hmm. conforming you and shaping you into Christ. And like Pat, like gold ore being passed through the fire refinement yeah. is burning away the other material. That's not gold. Yeah. yeah. Separating so, wheat from the chaff a little bit. Yeah. It's judging the sheeps and the goats in the individual. Mm. Yeah. And so the sanctification that, and that is done through this moral process that we're talking yeah. about with reading the word and doing the disciplines so that the moral subconscious system can be uprooted so that the word of God and the law of God can be, take its place. Well, well think about the arguments of, uh, of Romans. I wrote a paper on Romans. I love Romans. It's nice. a great book. Um, Starts off with uh, everyone, everyone's a sinner. Uh, yeah. Then he goes into Abraham and mm-hmm. all that. And then he goes into um, the salvation and sanctification that we are given and how we are made now no longer sinners, but called, yeah. saved and children mm-hmm. of God mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and then he gets into, well, too bad because I still sin. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like we are separated from it. And then what's the argument go to right after that? The new Israel and the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Not necessarily that he doesn't necessarily say that the the solution to I still sin is the church, but there is a logical truth there that you are not perfect on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the the that you're part of a body now, and you have mm-hmm. the in being unified. Not only are you becoming made better, but you're making others better too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, at least that's how I see it. I know that's not perfect exegesis, but I think there's an application there. Well, no, and so I had a talk. I at the young adults um, retreat that I led with my church and two other churches a couple weekends ago, I spoke on rest mm. it in the Bible and then also it in the life of the Christian. And the, the thing we got to was rest can only occur when you have union with God. Right. Cause rest is always on the seventh day. Rest is always on the culmination of creation. It's when Christ and mm. his people are together. Right. And so how do you have union at, with God here and now, well, how do you have union with God? You be like him. You be a part of his body, right? Well, you're a part of his body when you're with the others, when you're partaking in his body in the communion. Yeah. All of these things only occur in the corporate sense. Now, in the individual sense, you have reading the word and praying and acting out the Christian life, but the union with God is when you're with his body, you're at union with God. Mm-hmm. and so. When you're there, that is where sin is removed. That is where sin is cast away. And so. Mm. I think I like that. Mm-hmm. I'd have to think about it more because that one I'm, I can't hop on board with as, as quickly. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to talk about it a bit more. Mm-hmm. But I do like the idea of the Sabbath rest having something to do with. Uh, well, yeah, because it's, 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 it's the. Yeah. It's, it's, I love it. It's, it's beautiful. The, Hmm. the connection between, well, and then this gets into this, as we talked about before, this gets into purpose. Hmm. This gets into meaning is when we confront this, right? When we partake in this editing of our moral system to alignment with God's, that's where you feel meaning. Yeah. That's where you, 
that's where you discover what the purpose of the person is, is to be with Christ, is to yep. be with God. Yeah. And so when that is where we're aching for it and we can't have it, yep. and that's because we have sin, but we're designed to be with a God that we cannot be when we are sinful. Mm. And yep. so that when we fight against sin, when we give ourselves over to the will of God, that purpose and that meaning is heightened. We, we feel it. We see it. The glimpse of the light, the, okay. the stuff like that. Mm. So it's, what was it you were talking about with C.S. Lewis? There was uh, did we talk about it on the podcast or was this off? This is off the podcast. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, where we were talking about um, the evil is more invasive to the good than it is to the evil. Yeah, so the, um, the, the good man knows evil better than the evil man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's because an evil man, when he is when that was he's, before the podcast. When he is <laughs> yeah. tempted, caves to it immediately. Yeah. And he does the evil thing. Right. But the good man resists evil and mm. so therefore faces, understands all aspects of it better. Yeah, and yeah. faces the the temptation, the hooks in his side as it tries to pull him. The mm-hmm. right and the different ways it tries to get at him. Yeah, yeah. It and so the his argument was that the good man understands evil better than the evil man mm-hmm. um, because the evil man has never had to resist evil. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. He's, he's flown down the river. He's seen the yeah. surface of it. He's never seen the full. But yeah. at the same time, good men are just evil men who choose good, right? Like, it's, there's all these things that you yep. just... Yeah. yeah. That's Parthenax, awesome. yeah. Is that actually what Parthenax says? <laughs> Which is better to uh, to be born uh, good or to overcome evil with great effort. Mm. That's what Parthenax means? Parthenax from uh, Skyrim. Yes. I love that we talked about that today. Anyway, Fun fact. Complete I, tangent. The voice actor of Parthenax. Oh my goodness! <laughs> is who? Is Mario? Oh my oh, god! It is. it is. Yeah. Oh rip, rip Mario's There's voice. That's why Skyrim. Chris was Pratt. A, that's why Skyrim was able to get a special edition on the Switch. Wow, I didn't know Chris Pratt was voice part. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, well, I don't know how much more time we have, uh, mm-hmm. but there is one thing I want to ask because we're we're talking about we we jumped from moral evolution to how that works with the church and their morals and why we should be moral mm-hmm. people together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is something that Haidt talks about and it's actually his sort of conclusion to the book is the uh, like it's binds and blinds, but it's when he talks about the binds part, he specifically talks about this thing called like a hive, a hive mode that people have um, that people act as individuals, individual. I think he calls them like, chimps or monkeys or something like yes. that um <laughs> that we act as selfish selfish people on our own but we have a switch within us that kind of flips mm-hmm. um when we have a group and we become group beings and hive be- beings mm-hmm. um and uh into like and then we become like worker bees for a moral system or society and how on a societal level that works really well because then the the tribe can stay unified or on the tribal level they can stay unified mm-hmm. as a society but then as a large conglomerate nation, it can become crazy. And then it has mm-hmm. to fracture into political groups mm. and stuff like that. Or Which moral or religious why groups. the polarization of America between left and right. Yeah. So then, how do we know that churches aren't just examples of this hive culture and that are reinforcing themselves? I think denominations are a great example of how the churches have kind of a fail safe for that. 
This was the part I disagreed with him the most on, Oh, by the way. Not because I, I think he's right that we do have a switch, uh, that we can, uh, like, macro beings, macro organisms mm. are, the, are what the general terms given, I think, in psychology for uh, things like societies, which will act like an organism would, except it's not made of one thing. It's made of multiple different individual mm. organizations, like mm -hmm. cells. But Well, I can see the point being that, I like, that's why we have the three major traditions. That's why we have Protestantism, Orthodoxy, and Catholicism. Right. Is that they're... But then again, this is not a moral thing. This is a theological thing. So the same system in the brain is probably working this, but that it's the... There's a disagreement between two groups and they can't coexist in the same space. Yep. So but they that, have to... That's the to, same with political structures. It's just because they got too big, right? Yeah. And so, but that's what I mean is, is that there's a, it's obvious that there is, we, we kind of in a, in an unknowing way act on the behalf of another, but I also don't agree that identity politics is the defining mode. Hmm. So the, yes, the organization exists, right. And it acts to defend itself, but there's also people constantly swapping sides. And so there's a, yes, there's, there's the, how, here's a good, well, that, cause one of the things that is kind of implied by height a lot, but I mm -hmm. think is kind of something that can be applied to people generally is that we are like, we are tribal people with uh, societies that are way too complex for that kind of, uh, that we've advanced way, like, uh, we physically advanced way past what our software can handle. Um, yes. I think world like uh, World War One is a pretty good example of we used outdated uh, strategies that were inherited from like Napoleonic and and 1800s times, mm -hmm. um, but with machine guns and gas and incredible artillery and planes and bombs yeah. and killed the most amount of people that the world had ever seen before that uh, because the hardware was there but the software wasn't. Yeah, the tactics hadn't caught up to the technology. Yeah, um, World War Two was very different because of that, but. Um, he basically says that we are built for small groups and like l even large small groups of like a few hundred, maybe mm -hmm. a few thousand, maybe a few tens of thousands of people at the max. Yeah. But now we have societies of millions of people. And because of that, we have dissonance with those who are on top, yeah. those who are on bottom. You're not interacting with all of it, but you still have the software to be um, connected. And that would be why we change. Yeah. Is because we're not as connected. We're kind of like... Well, okay. I keep using analogies. Mm. Yeah. Valence electrons in a <laughs> for an atom. No, nice. the, the valence. No the valence electrons. Just in case this was already unapproachable for our listeners. As as an as an Here's element gets heavier. Mm -hmm. As an element gets heavier, um, has more electrons and has more uh, a heavier nucleus. The more unstable it gets. Yes. And societies in that way are like that. Mm. Can I give another example? Yes. Um, is. I think the reason the United States has built a failsafe for this. Okay. Um, the, I, the, the forefathers of America saw this problem coming. That's okay. why they created the federal state municipal district. Yep. City division. Yeah. In I that agree. I disagree with you on every federal. I, I disagree with you. Republicans and liberal and Democrats disagree on almost everything at this point. 
But that's sure. why now you have a California and a Florida. Hmm. Right. And so yeah. both of those systems can interact, can be in the same place, both hold the American identity. Right. But they have, but that American identity has to be more abstract than the, than I almost said provincial. Yes. Than the state versus municipal. And the problem has been is, is that as time has gone on, the executive branch, the presidency, mm. has uh, been collecting and consuming more and more of that identity. I think I agree with that. Yeah. And so the, Whereas before the the presidential level was so abstract from the the states, right? The less the, personal the party problem, less direct yeah. influence, and, and so that's why we're seeing the polarization is because of the accumulation of the identity within the president rather than in the state. Well, well then, yeah. To tie it back to the church, why are the like the split? Because we we brought up the splits in the church as a reason why this hive mind thing wouldn't work as much. Why is that not the same with like, say the Catholic church or the Orthodox church that grew, it grew yep. too big and then separated because people just weren't as connected to that overarching thing that became too heavy, too big. So I, I think there is, so I think the Catholic church does operate in a similar way the United States does because they have orders yep. underneath the Pope, underneath the main doctrine. Yeah. And so Benedictines and Augustines, whatever the, the, the mm -hmm. various groups that they don't agree on a lot. Right. They're Protestant in that way in mm -hmm. that they do have denominations. They just call them orders. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right. But they, they agree with an overarching set of but they, things, but they agree with a set of ideas that are abstracted and very general and very general. And so, the problem okay. was is that Protestants and Orthodox disagreed with the overarching general ideas, not the minor problems. So, yeah. but again, Christianity has over all of this, the superset, the Nicene Creed, the incarnation nice. of Christ, yep. yeah. which is Chalcedonian we, Creed too. Yeah, yeah. We all agree on this, Chalcedonian Creed. right? We're yeah. all Christians. We're all a part of this major society, 2.6 billion people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is a part of this super organism, right? And on the internet, you'll see us bickering with each other mm -hmm. within the system. But an atheist comes at us, and you'll see a Catholic and a Protestant and an mm -hmm. Orthodox talking on YouTube together about how they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's, it's true. It's awesome. It's the, the, the church just got so big that it needed to go above the national level. Yep. Okay, that's a wild claim. <laughs> the church got so big, it had to go beyond a national level. Well, because you see that in history. All religions mm -hmm. were national religions. And Christianity yeah. was, to an extent, when it got big enough, mm -hmm. it became a national religion. But then the Pope became superseding over empires. Yeah. Yep. Right? And then Christianity got so big that it could not be locked down to a land. Yeah. But even, mm. like... If we're, if we're going back to the American thing, yeah, each church, like we can say the municipal level is the individual church and then the state level is the yeah. diocese or region or whatever you mm -hmm. want, whatever your denomination Presbyter. says. Yeah. Presbyter. Um, and then you have the, uh, the, the denomination as a whole. And like you said, then there's one step above the president, which is Jesus <laughs> with these stipulations, yeah. a.k.a. the Constitution, a.k.a. Nicene yeah. Creed and other creeds. Well, yeah, because you've got after the after the denomination, you've got the tradition 
Okay. Right. Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox. And then above that, you have Christianity. Yep. With stipulations. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of them don't belong in that. Yes. To claim to be. Well, and those, that would be the difference between a different nation, like a uh, Jehovah's Witness and Mormon and Unitarians are. Yeah, it'll be like Senegal and uh, Ireland having the same flag. (laughs) I think it's Senegal. I could be (laughs) wrong. Yeah. They have the same flag, but they're not the same country, right? Yeah. So cool. That's non-Christians and Christians. <laughs> yes. And so there's this man. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. That was, that was the, wow. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, super society. Super society of Christian Christendom. As, as a last, Christ well, over, second to last, but Christ last overall. Thing, Christ Deus fault. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> clip Deus fault. Um, as we've talked about height and we've talked about the church and we've talked about all these crazy and yeah. large scale things. What do you think about something like studying morals as a psychology studying, um, using morals in an evolutionary sense? Mm-hmm. Is there both, is there merit to it? And is it dangerous? Cause a lot of people who are listening to this are going to be like, I'm going to outright reject height mm-hmm. uh, because he, believes that morals are an evolved part of society, yeah. not something that society is built around because they're part of human nature. Hmm. Joel, do you got something to say? Because it's say. inherently subjective. You can, yeah, you can go. When you read a book you disagree with, or you discuss with somebody something that you disagree with, you have to be able to extract the truth of what they're saying and the lie and the falsehood. Okay. Right. You need to be able to separate those because even in the person that I like, uh, I can't believe I'm about to make this example. I know which example you're going to say. In the temptation of Jesus, Satan quotes scripture. Oh, that's not the only thing. Right. He's, he's telling the truth, so to speak, but he's using it to tell a lie. Right. Right. Mm. That in amongst that. And so Christ separates in that pass in those passages, yes, but yep. think about mm-hmm. the uh, temptation of Eve into sin. Go watch our creation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but but the, 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 the we fact talked about the same thing. Satan quotes scripture to Jesus to debate him, and then Christ responds, "Yes, but no." Right? right. Quotes scripture back yeah. and the the actual truth, and so you need to even if the and nobody in the nobody in these books you're reading is going to be Satan in that they're <laughs> attempting to to to. Def- to ruin you, but the sure, but subjectivism in morality is a dangerous thing. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. But he's making truth claims about morality, and some of them are true, right? And that you need to be able to dissect with the mind that you've been given by God that which is true and that which isn't. Learn from Him what you can, and discern that which is wrong as well. Okay. Do you think I, that kind of gets around? Because I, I agree with you, and you should do that with literally any book you read. Because the most convinc- yes. the most convincing lies are those that contain the most contain the most truth, but twisted. Yes, and no, and that's um, what I mean is because you were saying like there are people that are just going to reject it because they hear evolutionary yep. morality, and it's just that's like, why you shouldn't don't yeah don't because. But then, what do you personally yeah think? Do you think that these practices are fair and that we should? Like, not that there is stuff to get out of them, because I think we can both agree there's mm-hmm. truth, but is there validity in it as a subject, or is it too damaging to morals or morality or how we should consider the world? 
um, as Christians. Should, not that we should object, uh, object to the book entirely because it has no mm-hmm. truth in it, but simply that it's too damaging to be useful. No, I think he's more of an ally than we like. Think so? Yeah. Why? <clears throat> you mean that his ideas naturally lead to a more religious mindset or a more... Yeah, because even he, he brought up the fact that we that sits, uh, sanctity is moral, mm. right? That That the sacred is part of morality. That it's not the yes, but he does it in a very different way. He says that it's because it's evolved that we consider things to be sacred. Yes, um, and then that gets into the problem of like, is it wrong for God to have used evolution to have created the world to bring us to this point? So I don't think that moralistic theory. Mm-hmm. or the theory of morals in any sense is dependent on evolutionary theory. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think that those things go together just because I do believe it's still God's revelation that points us yes. towards a, um, I don't want to get ontological about this, but it points us towards the moral itself, right? Yeah. Like what is good and evil, right. essentially. Um, well, and so, well, I think it's interesting to read through his ideas, and I think that some of the conclusions would be great. It's one of those things where it's like right answer, wrong, wrong way of getting there, wrong way of getting there a little yeah. bit. Yeah, the, or, the thing but is, you know what? what who, who am I to say? Any, like he's also studied human, a lot more. Any human endeavor, yeah, not in alignment with God is going to be flawed. Sure, I think that everything that Height says that is descriptive, mm-hmm. like how thing, how people operate, mm-hmm. how the world works, and what these things are. I think that he's. Mm-hmm. Like with his six, I don't know if I fully agree with him just because it's such a big and yeah. big topic, his six moral foundations. I don't know if those are the only moral foundations, if those are the right ones, just because I haven't explored yeah. it enough. But there is a lot of really good things you can get from it. Descriptively, makes sense. The problem is that one of the major prescriptions that goes into it is the reason why we have these as moral foundations. The reasons why these things happen mm-hmm. is because to keep a society together, we had to evolve something that unified them. And that would be morality is one of those things. Mm-hmm. And that the most successful societies and the most successful human tribes yeah. and religions even, or systems of, of yeah. politics or whatever, are th- that those were, are the better ones because they unified the most people or were the most successful. Yeah. Because, you know, that's why they exist. They mm-hmm. exist to activate these biological, moral things in us the best way yeah. possible. Hmm. Um, which I think I disagree with. Interesting. Like, Quite, because quite I a could, lot. interesting. Because what's what what I see in that is I would go, and that's why Christianity is the best and greatest religion. Yeah, that's <laughs> why he, he doesn't talk about it, but yeah, that that is right. also kind of what he gets into of it. the idea of like well, that, that kind of just slave shows us why we're the best. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But also, like, if he's talking about moral foundations, is yes, we arrived at these moral foundations evolutionarily. But he's also kind of arguing that, like, if this is what every human shares, then it is objective in a sense, not the yep. sense. Yeah. Um, it's subjective but in it's a subjective a, sense. Yeah, but it is a, an appeal to nature, which is the Absolutely. Problem. Yeah. Um, the, but nature is going to reflect reality. 
nature's going yeah, to reflect nature, reality. Is reality. So yes, <laughs> you mean yes. nature is going to reflect God essentially? Like yes, but what I mean is, is that the right? It's it doesn't just it's not just completely abstract where we came to what we came to. Yeah, yeah. That it's it's there for a reason, mm. and that reason, if there is a God, that like if you're if you're a Christian and you're debating over evolution versus creation and the evolution <laughs> would obviously be guided in some sense by the creator, mm. then whether we arrived at this place where he acts in history with this moral set in which we are interacting with via 14 billion years or seven days, the where we're still at this point in which we have these moral systems. Yep. And we still have to, as Joel said, interact with the objective moral system which is the law of god yeah right and so ultimately because we are here right now or whenever the beginning of what is called the human that god interacts with in history how however we got to that point does the before matter (laughs) (laughs) okay so what he's saying is the solution is is way more important than the actual problem. Yeah, because yeah, that we became we became moral creatures because God exists. Yeah, not despite of Him. Yeah, and um, so I think I disagree. Mm-hmm. One of the early arguments I had with Caleb, um, one of the first ones uh, we had in our first year of college, but also one I had with uh, our professor, was that. Um, what is the most convincing argument? Is it the moral argument? Is it the teleological argument mm-hmm. for God? Um, and Caleb immediately says, the moral argument is the most compelling. And I go, the moral argument is the least compelling. Because <laughs> um, I do truly believe that the moral argument, I think, I think, I've changed mm-hmm. my mind a lot on this, that the moral argument for God, that you need God to have morals kind of thing, um, is the weakest Christian argument mm-hmm. of the five. But Can I modify it? Sure. Because I believe the argument is to have a, an objective moral set. Mm. You need to have a God. You need to have a God. Yes. That you, you, the, there cannot be an objective moral system outside of the human. I still think it's the yeah. weakest because if all, the, the idea being that if all humans are moral creatures, that is a sense of objectivity doesn't matter where that what that moral is it just we for whatever reason whether it's the world we're based off of or whatever we evolved with the same set of moral general axioms just to different degrees and different within different people but the morality would still be the same and that which is most moral is that which is most successful evolutionarily which is height's point mm-hmm. oh so um, you're just saying that you see just as much validity in evolutionary moral th- theory yes than in Okay. I think, but I, I, I've changed my mind on this quite a lot. Mm. I, I, at least yeah. I think it's a strong enough argument to say that the Christians can't just say morals exist, therefore God. Yeah, no, it would be, yeah. It's not my favorite. C.S. Lewis's articulation of it is better than sure. I can explain and summarize right now. But it has to do it. with the fact that there is an ought. That, this, is, this is becoming mm-hmm. uh, apologetics proof for God. So I yeah, think which we should I didn't have that to, conversation. But, yeah. 
No, I, I think that a moral argument, you kind of need to tie that in sometimes. I think so. when um, you're talking about moral psychology, I think yeah. it gets brought up. So for me, I just always think of objective morals being in the mind of God, mm-hmm. right? Sure. We've talked about it before, and it's, it's one of our spiraling points, so we won't <laughs> There's another to it. You were, we've Uh-oh. been talking about morals a lot. Sorry, am I cutting you off, Joel? No, no. Um, is that somebody pointed out there is an interesting relationship with the Enlightenment and psychology. Yep. Um, but also with the declaration in the West of God is dead. Mm. Uh, and with God dying, there is no articulation of humans are bad because sin. Right. And so along, right alongside the declaration that God is dead, you see the rise of psychology because it's a description of why people are bad, mm. of what's the problems in the person. Why is the person faulty? Right. And it's not, I'm not saying psychology is bad. Right. But just that the, there's these are one of the origins points you for why psychology grew. Psychology is this tiny okay. science and sin is how people, oh, you're, you're a murderer because you're a sinner. Right. You, you're, you have there's bad evil ideas in you, because yeah. there's evil in you. Yeah. But all these things. But then it's the moment that God is dead and sin is removed as the articulation of why people are bad. Psychology comes out of nowhere, but it's a, it's a materialistic version of sin description of sin because it's rooted in the biology of the person and not in this mm, uh, right. moral landscape. Yeah. 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 And it, it's a super that. interesting timeline mm. connection. Yep. With. And empiricism grows with all that too. And so yeah. it, change, it it roots it further. Yeah. Um, yes. And that's why I think morality is so interesting is because it's not quite psychology and it touches on the transcendent. It has it's, to, yeah. Yeah. And so it's this interesting middle ground between sin and righteousness I, I think, and psychology. I think with what you're saying, um, height would go, yeah, but the reason why the West is falling apart mm-hmm is because they have abandoned God because they don't have a unifying structure because Mm. this system that we call moral now will not be called moral in a hundred years or whatever. And it will fall apart because it's not the most successful thing. It just is the newest thing, which doesn't mean the most successful. What if, again, this is a crazy idea and I don't know where to go with this, but what if the enlightenment, remember when I said earlier that like that Christianity is a superset, it transcended nations. Yes. Yep. The national level mm-hmm. of super society, right? It's almost like it began with the 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 pope separating and being above the nations, but the final takeoff, the last mm-hmm. touch was the enlightenment. Was because now it was up here. Yeah. And it so- literally ascended beyond the realm of the pope. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right? Because as a Christian the world's there, everything's there and mm-hmm. not the, the enlightenment is not great, whatever, or it is, or it has it, its problems. Yeah. Um, but it's so interesting because like, that is really the, the people say God is dead or blah, 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 blah. But what you see with Christianity is that it spreads across the world like crazy in all right. the other places, but it's not attached to the nation itself. Mm. It's the people at a higher level. Mm. Right. Yeah, I, Interesting. I, I think I get what you're after. Um, yeah. You're saying that. Because there's a transition period between the Pope and the Enlightenment of when it's separating from nations to the, the superstructure. 
Jeez, yeah, that's the kind of idea that deserves a graph. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a little confused now. But well, um, like, like the like the like the kingdom of God, the church, sure. right? Is the already but not yet. Yeah, the oh, kingdom geez. of God is here, but it's not here. We're going to fix this this confusing system with the most confusing thing <laughs> in the Bible. It's the, no, the, it's the kingdom of God is here because the church is here. Yep. Right. But it's also not here because the new Jerusalem is not here and sin is not removed and God Christ is not reigning in the new creation yet. Okay. Right. So it's here, the already, but not yet. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of the same with the Pope was the, it's, it's, it's left. It's no yep. longer at the national level, but there's this transition period of the already, but not yet of its. And then finally with the enlightenment, it's taken off. It's now in the fullness. Yeah. It's gone. Not only yeah. above nations, but now <laughs> into the ideological realm itself yeah. that is above. Anyways. That is not even a unifying structure. Are we structure. at hour 30? Oh, we're, we're at an so, hour guaranteed. Um, <laughs> before we transition out, the, uh, the second to last thing before we talk about transitioning and winding down, uh, because we've kind of been generally talking about mm-hmm. the, righteous, uh, the Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, mm-hmm. um, I really, and this is the most important part, I need josh to rate the cover <laughs> i'm gonna use the one that i had yep. and i think this is the first print i think uh, i've the seen later, the later the later print no the later covers are way better um sorry I'm, I'm poisoning the well immediately what do you think this is the one with the line through it by the way uh, for you audio listeners this out there, isn't the version i've seen no this um, is the original as far as i'm aware this is i mean the line divides the page it does um it's very minimalist. Very minimalist. Yes. I'm gonna give it a one. Wow. Really? Yeah. Why? Let me see. Yeah. Give it. Give it to Joe. Because just flip it around. You can't. <laughs> it's like what I said with the focus thing. It's there's. It's all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So there's no like like what's the title? What do you mean? It's because all it's the same font. Out the title? No, no, no. It's all the same font. Right, I, I see, and it's all the same size. <laughs> it's all and it's the spread same. out weirdly, yeah, yeah. And so it's just like, so what is 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 the righteous mind the subtitle? Is it, uh, no, it's it's, <laughs> it's, the, the, main it's the main title. I yeah. know that, but it's it, glaringly in the middle of the book is why good people are divided by politics and religion. Yep. <laughs> you, you want my, know my opinion? What? It's a one out of ten. One out of five. It sucks. It's okay. awful. Yeah, I, I hate We're it. We're the same. Four out of five. The hollow. Um, the hollow earth, anyone like the light, the light gray text on the white background with a big black line across it. Before he had gold text. I kind of liked it. I thought that was the the other one. There's two others. There's ones with like nice, uh, Mm -hmm. Renaissance paintings on it. And then there's one that's two people pointing at each other to show the right and the left accusing each other and whatever. I looks like it was made in MS paint and I just, it does look like it makes me, uh, makes me feel more confident. Yeah. This is the first writer. Joel. What's up? I think. I think we're anything. coming to the end of the episode. Yeah. Anything else anybody would like to say? Um, here's what I'm going to say. This has been a very heady conversation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been just barely keeping up. That's not right. entirely true. I, I, we've had these conversations a lot outside of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm very encouraged when those conversations kind of show up in the pod. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I think I'm going to close her down now. We've sure. talked about a lot of things. This became a kind of super long what have you read, especially since you bookended the last part of the podcast with what does this 
title look like, yep. um, which is usually like the first six minutes of the episode. This has been fun. Been I've been awesome. having a good time. It's definitely one of our longer episodes. It's not, but I don't the, think. Oh, isn't it? It's at we're at an hour thirty. Oh, never mind. Yeah, ten um, minutes of rambling beforehand. Yeah, probably ten minutes before. Five minutes of edited out time. Yeah. And now we gotta cut out these gaps that I'm leaving. There we go. Or it's funny. It's probably not <laughs> funny. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Second Rate Saints podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this episode, which for you have to at this point, we've nice. touched on so many kind of polarizing ideas, but at the same time, I've been super encouraged by it. Right, and this um, this is one of the subjects. This touching religion with philosophy with all of these psychology, one of my favorite passions. So mm-hmm. please talk to cool. me about it so I can argue with you in the comments. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to see more like it, um, subscribe, follow, like, do all these different things. Like, watch till the end because it really helps our, you know, viewership time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. And let us know how you're feeling about the episodes. <laughs> Send us some, some emails, you know, what an ex- I feel like I'm just completely uh, wiped by this episode. This, this has been mentally exhausting. It is a lot. Awesome. If you made it this far, you get a medal. Buy me a coffee. Oh, sorry. We get a medal. Buy me a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. If you'd like oh to su- uh, support Second Rate Saints and uh, kind of the expansion of what this show is, um, whatever that might be, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Saints. Or you can use the link on our website, secondratesaints.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Have a great week, and we'll see you same place, same time. Okay, guys? Bye-bye. Just end it. Just end it. Kill Dacular. Overkill. Unfreaking believable. <laughs>